Well, good morning again. It's always our greatest privilege to gather together around the Word of God. So let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to Acts. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Acts 1, 3 through 8. And open your hearts, because this is God's word for us today. During the 40 years after his cruci- 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, this is God's word for us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're still speaking to us today. We ask that you would be our teacher, Holy Spirit, come. Open our ears, open our hearts to your voice. Amen. Well, I grew up um, next to a lake in New Hampshire, and so taking swimming lessons was part of my very early life. I had two older siblings, and I was always dying to do what they were doing, so um, I think I got shuffled into one of the older swimming classes before I was probably even really old enough to do it, but probably my mom was like, here, get one more kid out of the house for half an hour. So I found myself in swimming lessons where I was always the youngest and always like the weakest and most frightened to do whatever we were supposed to be learning to do. And I have very vivid memories of the day that we were supposed to learn to dive when we finally got good enough to swim all the way out to the raft, I remember the teacher perched us all right on the edge, and she was like, okay, you just put your hands like this, and you take a deep breath, and you go right in head first. Try it. (laughs) And I can remember looking down into that lake water and thinking, if I go in head first, I will never come back up to the surface before I need to take a breath. I will definitely drown. Now, I must have seen people diving before because I'd been swimming a million times, but no matter what that teacher said, I did not think that was a smart idea to dive right in head first. It took a long time for her to coax me and to watch all these other classmates dive in and not drown to believe that I could really do it. And I remember thinking that I was like leaping off and I think I actually just went like bloop and fell right in. 
But sure enough, I didn't drown. I popped right up to the surface, like she said, and I found out diving was actually really fun. I loved it after a little while. I loved it, and I loved to swim. I was so glad that I finally took took the the opportunity to try it, to go all in. Life is full of all in moments. Moments when we come to the edge of ourselves and what we've known up to that point, and we take a deep breath and we go for it. We say, "I'm all in," and we step into the promise of what's next. This fall. We're in a series called All In, and we're continuing today asking each other to come to the edge and to ask Jesus, what's next? What's next for me? What's next for us as this body of Christ here at Bemis Point United Methodist Church? What's my role in what you have for us next, Jesus? During All In, we're stopping to listen to God's call about discipleship and what it means to follow him, which, we re- which will result in building each other up, building up this body of Christ, and also building up our influence for Jesus in our community, in, with our neighbors, with our people that we have in our lives. During this series, we've been asking you to think about a question and to really ponder it and just kind of sit with it for this whole fall series. And the question is this, when it comes to following Jesus, am I a consumer or a follower? We all start out when we come to Jesus as consumers. We all start out coming to know Jesus and receiving what he has to give us. We receive his forgiveness, We receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the promise of eternal life, and we begin to realize all the benefits that following Jesus has in our lives, the peace and the joy and all these other good things. Think for a minute. Remember how I asked the kids to think of the best present they've ever received? But think for a minute about a precious thing you've received from following Jesus. One of the wonderful benefits that means a lot to you following Jesus. Just think for a minute. What are you grateful for? If you've thought of something, just turn to someone sitting next to you and just say that word or couple words that you're grateful for, for following Jesus. You know, if we're not careful, despite all these wonderful benefits that Jesus gives us, if we're not careful, we get stuck there, we stop there, and we, we just stay consuming the benefits of being saved, and we miss what's next. That's the first half of the gospel. We don't want to miss the second half of the gospel. Jesus loves us and accepts us the way we are. Thanks be to God. But he never leaves us there. He's always calling us deeper, calling us to something more. What's Jesus calling you to? What's the next faithful step for you? What is the cost of your discipleship? Ron Rollheiser has put it this way, when we think we've reached the deepest level of discipleship, Jesus invites us to more. 
I think that's exciting, friends. I think that's exciting because it means that you can't just step over the line into faith in Jesus Christ and then just sit and get bored for the next decades of your life. There's always more. There's always more. It will never get boring to follow Jesus. He calls us to deepen our discipleship and go all in. And so that's why we're asking each other to just sit with this question this, this fall and really let it germinate inside our hearts. Am I a consumer or am I a follower? You know, life is shaped by all-in moments. History is full of them. Times when people dared to say, I am moving forward no matter what the cost. You can probably think of lots of them when Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to the church door in Germany and said, things have got to change in the, uh, among the followers of Christ. When the, the uh, founding fathers of our country signed the Declaration of Independence, that was an all-in moment, saying to King George, we are going to do something different from now on. And you all know the story probably of why John Hancock's name is so much bigger on that document than everybody else's because he said, I want them to know who I am. We're all going to get in trouble here, so I'm going to get in trouble first. I am all in. Rosa Parks refusing to move to the back of that bus. That was an all-in moment. The Apollo astronauts, can you imagine how they felt when they heard that countdown? And then they heard those words blast off. They were probably all thinking, this is it. We are all in. There is no going back. All of those all-in moments changed the course of human history. Acts 1 is one of those all-in moments for the followers of Jesus. This is the moment before Jesus leaves them. If I had read the next verse, if we had kept going through uh, to verse nine, it says this, after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. That was the last conversation they had with Jesus that we read this morning. Before he ascended into heaven, where he waits and will return one day and we will see him with our own eyes one day. But until that time, this, this is his last words to his disciples, the last, the last thing he said to them. According to what Luke says here in Acts, Jesus' last words to his followers were this, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's like concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. At all in moments, like this one, and in our lives as well, there are always a lot of questions that need to be answered, right? Always a lot of questions that it leaves us with. That's the same way here. So we're gonna, we're gonna ask some of those questions and see what Jesus has to say to us here. The first one is always why, right? Why? That's always the first question that comes to our minds when we're facing a difficult or challenging situation. Why? So why is Jesus saying this? You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. He's asking his followers to continue his mission, 
to continue the work that he began. Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. So friends, that is our mission. Right here in Acts chapter 1, he handed that mission over to us. We know what it means to be lost, right? Literally, physically lost, but we know what it means to be spiritually lost. And if you know Jesus, you know what it means to be found. And there is nothing, nothing that compares to that. Jesus doesn't want anyone to be lost. For 2,000 years, that has been the mission of the followers of Jesus, to seek and save the lost. That's why we talk about making disciples. Here at this church, we talk about it in terms of sale, right? Seek Jesus. Help people to know that Jesus is seeking them. Activate your faith. Come alive in Jesus. Step over that line. Invest in God's mission. Learn how to take on that mission as your own and be trained and equipped to do that. And then love completely. Live into that that goal that Jesus put out there for us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we mean when we talk about sale. All that can really be boiled down to what Jesus is talking about here as his mission. So why are we asking you to go all in? Because Jesus loves people. He loves us, but he loves lost people as well. And he calls us to go and seek and save the lost the way that he went and sought them. We don't save them, of course, but we bring them to Jesus and introduce them and let him do that saving work. There was a major study done uh, just a, a year or so ago that asked people, Um, what their relationship with Jesus was and tried to kind of boil it down into numbers, like what percentage of our neighbors have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Most of New York State came in right around the, the number of 63% that do not know Jesus. 63%. That's a lot of our friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus, who don't know, maybe that they don't even know that they're lost, but they need the love of Christ. They need the salvation that Jesus has to offer. They need all those blessings that we were just telling our neighbors about a minute ago. There are so many lost people in our community that do not know Jesus, and Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. People are only going to be attracted to Jesus when they see him being lived through us and in us, and when they have someone in their lives who can introduce them to Jesus and and tell them about him. God has placed us here, friends. God has placed Bemis Point United Methodist Church, which is all of you, It's the people, not the structure. God has placed us here, surrounded by a changing community of people who do not know Jesus. And this is our primary mission field. And we want to claim it. We want to claim it. 
Together, our mission is to reach that 63%, right? None of us can do it by ourselves. It's not gonna happen by having a great-looking church sign out there that people drive by every day and say, oh, I think I'll just come in. It helped, our mission is to go out to them. So that's the why. The why is because we love Jesus and we love the people that Jesus loves. That's why we wanna be all in. That's why Jesus calls us to be all in. Okay, second question is how? How? How are we gonna do this? Well, he says in the beginning of verse eight, he says this, you will receive power. Say that word, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The root word for power is dunamis in Greek, which you probably can't tell from hearing it, but if you see it written down, you realize is the same root word as dynamite. That's just the human version of dynamite. We get the Holy Spirit version of dynamite. Amen? Yeah. We don't go around on this mission that God gave us with him saying, here, take this tiny little flashlight. It's got a AAA battery in it. He gives us dynamite. Holy Spirit power. Ray Pritchard says, our greatest need today is not for political power, but for the power of the Holy Spirit. Political power can change leaders, but it can't change hearts. It can win an election, but it can't save a life. It can pass righteous laws, but it can't make people righteous. Only the Holy Spirit can restore lives, change hearts, and save an entire nation from destruction. We need, the reason we need the Holy Spirit is because we're not dealing with flesh and blood here, are we? We're not dealing with human problems. Jesus knew the kind of world he was sending his disciples into, and we need to understand the kind of world that we live in. Friends, we need to understand that business as usual is not gonna do it is not gonna turn this world upside down. Look at the situations people are facing, the addictions, the broken families, the challenges of this country that we seem to be tearing each other apart on purpose. Look at the world we live in. There are more people who have had to flee their homes and their country wandering through this world right now than ever before. There are global problems that we can hardly even wrap our minds around. We work our way down from there just to the very personal ones. We don't need to just have churches with signs out and hope that people will come in. We need, we, we live in a world where, where that needs us to go out to sit with people in their, the real situations of their lives. Bishop James Swanson says this, the reason we don't go into challenging situations and witness about Jesus is that we really don't believe God's presence and power 
will be there. Friends, people need us to go and sit with them and listen to them and lay hands on them and tell them, God is here with you. God can change this. The power of Jesus is real. He loves you. He loves you. If we go out in our own power, we can do very little, but if we go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, he opens doors for us that we could never even open. Bishop Swanson says, when our lives are wrapped up and tangled up in the Holy Spirit, he goes before us into situations and conversations when we surrender, when we go all in. I know I have found that to be true so many times when I have finally gotten to the end of what I think I can do and said, God, I don't know. I really think you want me to dive in, but I don't know if I'm going to come back up to the surface, but I'm going to do it because I believe in your power. And he always, always shows himself. It will take all of us operating in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he is asking us to do So the next question is this, third and last question. We have why, we have how, and finally we have what. What is Jesus calling us to do? He makes it nice and clear here in Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. When we hear that word witnesses, we think of the courtroom, right? Witnesses, you get to tell or you are asked to tell what you saw, what you heard, what you know from experience. Jesus today calls us to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere. Friends, today's generation wants to know if God is still at work in power today. They are dying to know if God is here and is he available and does he love them and see what's really happening in their lives and in this world. If we don't share our faith with the people of this next generation, who will? Who will? Hannah Gronkowski, who is the founder and director of Generation Distinct, she says that we are often tempted to believe that if we just live good enough lives, we can forego that conversation about Jesus entirely, And people around us will almost magically come to know Jesus through our good actions and our selfless character. That's a fantasy. We do need good actions and selfless character, but people are not automatically going to connect that with the gospel of Jesus Christ unless we help introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. That is our calling. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. We can't outsource that to anyone else. It's you and me, because we have connections to our neighbors, our family, our friends, that nobody else has. You know, we, we all have a lot of reasons why we don't want to be witnesses. I think the one I hear the most is, I don't know enough. What if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to? I just heard about a study this week uh, from Alpha USA that asked people who were not Christians about having spiritual conversations and what kind of people they would like to have spiritual conversations with. And let me tell you the category that got voted the least likely, that they they least want to have a spiritual conversation with this category of people, people who have all the answers 
and people who are good at debating ideas. So you're off the hook. <laughs> people don't want us to have all the answers. They don't want us to be clever and trained and smart. They want us to listen. They want us to put a hand on their shoulder and say, do you know that God is closer to you than you ever imagined? Can I tell you about what Jesus has meant to me in a situation like this? So that's what it means to witness. And here's where it gets really interesting, friends. That word witness, in Greek, it's the same word as martyr. Martyr, someone who dies for their faith. You could read this passage, and you will be my martyrs, telling people about me everywhere. A witness is not just someone who shares a courtroom testimony or shares a personal testimony. A witness is someone who goes all in, who says, I'm willing to give my life for this cause. This is so important to me. Jesus is so important to me that I'm going to go all in and I don't care what it costs. That's his call to us. What are you willing to give your life for? When we join a church, when we join this church, we all promise to give our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Those things are easy to say, but hard because they're precious. We cannot give those things without really going all in. What are you willing to give your life for? Giving our lives for a cause, something that happens through the power of God in us and through us, that turns this world upside down. Friends, I think that, that is willing to go all in for. As we finish up today, we're just going to spend a little time in prayer. And just like Pastor Bill asked you last week to pull out that page in your bulletin that's blank for sermon notes. Some of you may already have that out, taking notes. But if you don't, pull that out if you would. He asked you last week to give yourself a number, try to put yourself on a scale, one to ten. How all in do you think you are? And to think about that all week. This week I'm going to ask you, to just write down a yes or a no to this question. Am I willing for God to let me this week to use me? Am I willing to let God use me this week to be a witness for him? I'm just gonna pray over us, give you a little time to think and pray and write down a yes or a no. God, it's easy to talk about these things in theory, but then you ask us to leave this room and do something, and we have to choose, and our choices really do matter. So Holy Spirit, would you come to us right now? Give us the courage as we stand at the edge of conversations and relationships to go all in, to dive to take that next faithful step. Would you give all of us the courage to say yes to you today? Lord, you know we're all in different places in our journey. 
And by your grace, you love those who are honestly writing the word no just as much as you love all those who are, by your grace, able to say yes. So Lord, for all of us, whether we are at the point of saying no or saying yes, would you continue to journey with us and draw us close to you and let us experience the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, we want to pray together. You taught us a prayer that kind of encompasses this idea of all in. So, Lord, we pray together the Lord's Prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For those of you who wrote that word yes, you're standing at the edge of the raft right now and there's water. But let me reassure you, If you dive in, you will not drown. You will come back up to the surface and you will say, the Holy Spirit went ahead of me into this conversation and look what God can do through me. So I hope that you will come back next week and be ready to share some good news about how God helped you to be a witness this week. Will you stand and receive this blessing from God? May God send you out in his power and may you be his witnesses telling everyone around you about who Jesus is. Amen.